painful threshold. 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 Hi, welcome to The Painful Threshold. I'm Matt Keeley from kittysneezes.com. And this is the podcast where all of the questions are asked to our lovely panel from you, the listening audience. Uh, you can submit questions to our Tumblr, which is thepainfulthreshold.tumblr.com, or via Twitter, where we are Painful Thresh, or on the Facebook page, where we're just The Painful Threshold. So now that that whole setup is out of the way, why don't we meet our lovely panelists? So panelist one, who are you? Hi, my name is John Morris. I'm a cartoonist and a designer from Seattle, Washington. Panelist two, who are you? Hello there. My name is Gavin Wallace Aylesworth. I play drums in Boston rock band Bent Knee. And panelist three, who are you? Hi, I'm Quinn Collard, and I'm a writer and zinester. Okay, and we'll be sure to have in the show notes online where you can uh, find all these lovely people on the interwebs. So uh, with that taken care of, why don't we get started? So we've got the uh, very first question, and uh, like pretty much all of the questions this week, it comes from Anon. And the question is, and I think this is a very important one to know, kittens or pie? John, kittens or pie? Is there any way to have both? Is there any reason not to have a kitten pie? Well, would you really want a kitten pie? All right. Fair point. Well made. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the question asking is, like, if someone put a gun to your head and said, you can only, you know, you have to choose one or the other. But I think they'd also want to know your reasoning behind it. So it's not just, you know. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you an anecdote. Can I tell you an anecdote about pies? When I make convention appearances, there's a, there's a thing I do. Instead of, uh, instead of drawing whole pictures for people, is I will draw them pies. The premise is it's just a cartoon drawing of a pie with something on it that makes it the pie. So like a banana pie will have a banana on top of it. And an apple pie will have an apple on top of it. And because these are cons, it's almost always a nerd pie. So it'll be a Batman pie that'll have a Batman on top of it. Or a TARDIS on top of it to make it a Doctor Who pie. So when I'm thinking of a kitten pie, I am thinking of a pie just with a kitten right on the top of it. And, and we're talking like a live, friendly kitten, right? Not Oh, absolutely. Not a post-baked kitten. Okay, okay, good. I, I, I can see that. I, I kind of like that. And, and now I kind of want a drawing of a kitten pie. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get to work. <laughs> How about Gavin? How about you? Kittens or pie? Well, I think at, at the root of this question, it comes down to almost the same economic theory that guns and butter comes from. Mm. You know, you, factories making guns, factories making butter, yada, yada. Uh, but you've got your kittens and pie. So you have, have uh, uh, kittens, your entertainment, your fun, your, your enjoyment of life versus pie, which is sustenance. Because, you know, when you're eating pie, I mean, you've got to survive, right? So... Mm. Uh, I say, what is life without a little entertainment? I'm going kittens on this one. It's funny that you mentioned the, the guns and butter thing, just because I, I'm now kind of picturing a Third Reich era protest collage of, you know, a family instead, like, instead of eating pies, like eating kittens, sort of like the one with the guns and butter where they're, you know, putting weaponry and eat, trying to eat the weaponry. Yes. Could have a, a, a buttered kitten pie gun, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just sort of like, you know, someone who's really into protest art, but just doesn't quite get <laughs> what it's all about. Yeah. <laughs> I like that idea of the, of the frustrated uh, uh, 
uh, propaganda protest poster man. No idea what he's angry at. <laughs> How about you, Quinn? Well, with all due respect to Pi, I am a few blocks away from High Five Pi here on Capitol Hill, which is amazing. But kittens, no question. You can't cuddle with Pi. That would be very messy. And the pie would not be purring and kneading in your lap and being adorable. And um, I'm a full-grown kitty who's awesome, and she's much better than pie. What if the pie, however, had the the pie tin was covered in a faux fur sort of thing, and it had a uh, tape recorder buried inside the pie <laughs> of a, of a purr, and maybe like up pretty high, so that way you'd get the, the vibration too of the. The purring tape. I mean, what about what about that kind of pie? But would it write poetry by walking across my keyboard like my kitty does? I don't think it would. That's a fair point. Like, I, I think even if you set this fur-covered pie on the uh, keyboard, I don't think it would really do much in the way of poetry. Exactly. And I just realized that by describing it as a fur-covered pie, <laughs> I have gotten us into the adult section of... Uh, <laughs> iTunes podcast directory. <laughs> so, okay, so we're pretty much all on the kitten side because, I mean, even with John with his kitten pie, the kitten is on top of the pie and and fully alive and not baked. And this is one word, too. I don't think anyone is anti-pie in this case. Oh, no. So it's just a, a kitteny sort of day. A litany of kitten ease. <laughs> okay, so we have definitively answered that question, so hopefully Anon is satisfied with... Uh, the results of their question asking. And the next question is one that we always, we like to spread the the fun and joy around to other blogs on uh, The Painful Threshold. So I have gone to another Tumblr blog and stolen a question from them that they have been asked, and I'm going to ask it to you. This was asked originally to tinyboxtim.tumblr.com. And as it turns out, the question asker to tinyboxtim was also anonymous. So it kind of fits fits the theme, I suppose. Anonymous asked uh, Tiny Box Tim, Sup, Tim, if you had a sports team, what would it be called? Mm. And Tim's answer was the Tiny Box Tim Boxers. <laughs> and there's a cute little drawing of a, do- of a boxer type of dog. And, and it's very nice. So I, I ask you, um, if you all had sports teams, what would it be called? And also... Just to get to the exactness of of the question, to make sure that we leave no no stone unturned, I suppose, you must answer this question as if your name was Tim. Tim number one. All right, all right, th- thank you, Tim. Uh, do we have to make our team relative to Tim, or can we still make that our own team? Oh, it would be your own team. It would just be if, if you were named Tim. If I were named Tim. My team, I think I would like to have them be uh, uh, unassumingly, seemingly humble, often addled sports team whose success is uh, is relentless pursuit, uh, irritation, and repetition of uh, of their approach. And I'd like to call them the Columbos. <laughs> I like to have I'd like to have the Fighting Columbos. Our 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 theme song and our march would be just one more thing. And uh, all we would do is we would we would grab the ball. We'd we'd run about a foot. We'd stop. We'd distract the opposing team with uh, with obtuse questions. Tell them that our wives are really big fans of their team. And then when they least expect it, we go and make a touchdown or a home run. I think I would actually like sports if the Fighting Columbos were involved. I think, Tim, that you need to make sure that this happens. I think I've got a franchise here. The name of, the name of Tim will certainly be celebrated in the world of sports very soon. Yes. Okay, uh, Tim number two. 
All right, so I'm answering this as, as if I am Tim. As if you were named Tim, yes. You don't need to be particularly Tiny Box Tim or any other Tim in particular. You, you can be your own Tim. Okay. Good day, mates. My name is Tim, and uh, I would like to introduce to you my new sports team. We have a couple of really good years and then some really bad years, and then we always tend to make a really nice comeback. Uh, we are called the Fighting Tim Bruce Willises. Any particular Bruce Willis? like, Or, or is it like each, each uh, team member has a different... Bruce Willis role. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the quarterback might be dressed as Corbin Dallas, the goalie will be John McClain, and so on and so forth. So who would be um, um, Hudson Hawk, do you think? <laughs> I'm going to go with the, the equipment manager, probably, would be, would be Hudson Hawk, and he'd, he'd know the exact times of how long it took to lay everything out. Would any of the players be dressed as, as Joe Hallenbach, his character from The Last Boy Scout, which is actually a film about private detectives and sports? Ah, I, ooh, yes. I, I haven't seen that film before, but uh, uh, yes, that would. Let's see. That would have to be. I'm going to go with the, uh, left field. Fantastic. So, 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 Tim's. What do you think about the Tim's Bruce Willis's versus the Fighting Columbos? You know, who who would you bet on? It's going to be a, a charmingly wry game. <laughs> you know, it depends on what year you catch the Bruce Willis's on versus the, you know, the, the Columbos. Because the Columbos will always have a, a, a nice strong end to all of their games. But the Bruce Willis's, if it's a good year, you know, it could be anyone's game at that point. Yeah, there's going to be an explosive gameplay. Yeah. You know what? I, I think, though, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Columbos just because of the laser-like focus of the intellect versus the tendency to go off on rambling, weird, right-wing diatribes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to actually agree with you on that one. <laughs> and just to confirm my suspicions, none of us chims are particularly sports inclined, are we? No, uh, no. I'm a I'm a long term baseball fan, but then again, I also follow the Yankees, which makes me one of the worst baseball fans. <laughs> I'm I'm currently uh, in Boston at the moment, and, and I must say that I agree. <laughs> Your team believes in ghosts. I'll never forget on the day that in in 2007 when Boston won the World Series, it, it was my first year of college out here and i was going to get a sandwich after a rehearsal and during kind of the you know hey we just won riots afterwards someone walked up to me and very calmly said hey you want to go flip a car (laughs) (laughs) well no i'm just gonna get my sandwich and then go to bed but thank you (laughs) all right Uh, tim number three what's your team well as a tim i am also not really interested in the, the winning aspects of the sport so i'm going to continue the theme of the previous question and just make my Tim team uh, the kittens and they will be terrible but they will attempt to pounce on the other team which would maybe be effective at times and they will have a really adorable mascot which I think uh, makes them a winner in a different way than gain more points. So what what would the mascot be? Would it be a, a human in a kitten suit? No, it'd be an actual live kitten. Oh, okay. And then the kitten would be in its own kitteny fur, not a human suit. Yes. I think that you might be right, though, that they're terrible just because I, I watch the Puppy Bowl every year. Right. And the, the kitten halftime show has gotten progressively shorter because, like, <laughs> at, at the first, it was, like, the full-on thing where it was basically, you know, five minutes of kittens playing, 20 minutes of kittens sleeping, and then five minutes of kittens freaking out because of the confetti. Right, but they're so cute. You don't need them to be doing things. Oh, yes, but I just am picturing, you know, the team of the kittens basically playing their sport for about five minutes. 
than than laying down on the field and napping and then freaking out at the end when they lift the other team up on their shoulders and carry them around. That's okay. Okay. And I I, I suppose I could ask you the same question about, you know, who would win between the three teams, but I'm pretty sure that it would probably be whoever goes up against the kittens, I have to say. <laughs> just, just because of the napping thing. It's not that the kittens are a bad idea, it's just that they love their sleep. That's right. You, you can stop being Tib now if you'd like. I'm not going to I- enforce anything here. So if you if you want to continue to be Tim, that that's fine by me. Either way, you know, Tim or not Tim, we will we will continue on with uh, the next question, which is, and again from anon, what do you think happens after we die, John? Find what you mean by we. I am guessing that anon is just means like in general, like as the uh, the human race. <laughs> I uh, I actually I gave this one a little thought, and I really have absolutely zero idea. I I assume it's just a cessation of of existence. I do have a terrible paranoia that the brain continues to receive information long after all other body functions have stopped, like several days worth. Oh, so it's sort of like that one episode of Tales from the Crypt where the guy gets locked into his brain, but his body is dead and he goes through his autopsy? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, That's my, my utter dread, is that maybe you get another week of brain life before you actually, actually fully die. Oh my god, that would be horrible. They've discovered that when people are decapitated, the heads stay conscious for like five seconds or something. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, they'd have a lot to say if we didn't get rid of their lungs. <laughs> I, I mean, like, five seconds would be bad enough, but like for like a week. Yeah, a solid week. Oh my god. Which is good news for those like really lonely old people who die in their chairs watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really bad news for almost everybody else. Honestly, I, I'm kind of taking away from that a call to make sure that you're watching the best TV possible because you wouldn't want to die and be locked in watching like, you know, Fox News that you just started watching ironically and then happened to cack. You need to Somehow have this is maybe a uh, a device we could invent that if your heart starts to fail on you, the nearest television begins playing season one of Deadwood. <laughs> I think I could get behind that, uh, Gavin. Uh, I too, uh, after thinking about this one, really didn't come up with uh, much of an idea. Um, but I, I have a I have a firm belief that in the seconds after you die, you kind of have the the leftovers of consciousness you know all those times you you forget what you were going to say in your life they all just come back to you all at once and that Mm. massive flood of remembrance and thought just kind of overloads whatever was left of of your brain so basically your 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 consciousness is drowned by all of the oh what was i going to tell you like basically the the (laughs) things that you were actually going to tell just flood in and that's all my therapist would have a field day with that if i said that to her uh quinn well um this is a topic i've been thinking about a lot lately because i lost a very close friend a few months ago but um again none of us can be sure there's no way to be sure but um I'm Wiccan, and so I believe very strongly in energy making up the universe. And I have fellow Wiccan friends say that when we die, we turn into just that pure energy and are still present in some form, but um, just outside of our bodies. And I really like that idea. Kind of like on the last uh, episode of Mystery Science Theater for Comedy Central, when they turn into beings of pure light. Something yes. like that. <laughs> and then they got bored with it and... and- 
reconstituted themselves. Actually, can you do that? Now, 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 now I was making a joke, but now I'm actually genuinely curious. Like, do you think that, you know, the, when you turn into pure energy, once that becomes a drag, can you, like, come back and, you know, reform as a person or an animal or... Maybe that's what reincarnation is. Maybe it's a conscious decision. I actually kind of like that idea. You know, it would be nice to to be able to see, I guess, see everything from a step removed, I guess, but then also be able to get back in the fray for, you know, 80 some odd years and, and then pop back out. Now I'm actually thinking about it. I actually kind of like that idea. Maybe you've converted me. <laughs> <laughs> Next question then, uh, also from Anon, are you home? So... John, are, are you home? Uh, I'm home. I'll be home uh, all week because uh, we had a, an attempted break-in yesterday, so uh, I'll be not leaving the house for a long time. Oh, my God. Are you okay? Oh, we're absolutely fine. I just wanted to say that out loud on a podcast so that everyone in the world would know that I am home and there's no need to try to break in again. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, Gavin? Um, yes. However, I want to add the caveat physically. So you are physically home. Mentally? Yes. Maybe, maybe not. No, well, remains to be seen. Okay, fair enough. And Quinn, are you home? Yes, I'm here in lovely Capitol Hill, uh, surrounded by pictures of they might be giants all over my walls with my... I love them. Oh, don't get me started. Seriously, you will regret it. <laughs> <laughs> and then my, my little poetess uh, kitty keeping me company. And also, for those who are uh, they might be giants fans, like, uh, I think actually probably all yeah, of us. Yeah, all of us, uh, I think. Yeah, um, Quinn has a wonderful uh, fan site, which is uh, museumofidiots.com. Yeah, it's jam-packed with all kinds of stuff. They Might Be Giants is, uh, I think, neck at neck with Primus for bands I've seen live the most amount of times. And Primus is another good band to have as that. I've yet to see Primus live, unfortunately. Well, they're hometown guys for me. I I was born in the Bay Area of California, and that's where they're all from, too. So they're they're my hometown squad. (laughs) Cool. Well, I guess that actually is like a pretty good segue because now it's time to take a music break. So, Gavin, since uh, you're in a band, you get to you get to talk about the music. So, what did you choose? Well, I'm in a group named Bentney out here in in Boston, um, and we've got a new album coming out on November 11th of this year, and it's called Shiny Eyed Babies. It's our second album. We are immensely proud of it. We. Uh, uh, we've been working on it for, oof, my God, the past two years or so. Um, but the track we're going to hear today is a track called Being Human, which uh, is one of my personal favorites and I think uh, a favorite of ours in the band. Um, one interesting side note, you will hear a grand piano on this song. That piano was bought and personally, well, personally picked out and bought by Mark Sandman of Morphine. Uh, this was his old piano that uh, now resides at Woolly Mammoth Studios uh, in, in uh, Massachusetts. Uh, would you like to say anything about the song itself? This tune started as an idea that Courtney, our singer, brought in, both lyrically and, and kind of musically. And within Bent Knee, people will all bring in kind of germs of ideas and things like that. And, and we will all kind of put our, our individual uh, stench uh, upon everything. Um, so this is, yeah, just one of those things that Courtney started and brought in, and then it, it went through kind of the Bentney ringer, and, and uh, what, what, uh, what you're about to hear today is what came of it. Let's hear what came of it right now. So uh, here it is. It is Being Human by Bentney. I imagine your dead body lying in my bed, and I know the details why you had to go. Yeah. 
That was Being Human from our guest Gavin's band, Bent Knee, from the album Shiny Eyed Babies, which is coming out in November. And I, I've i got an advanced copy of the album, and it's wonderful. So I definitely recommend y'all uh, check it out and pick it up when it comes out. So uh, thank you very much, Gavin. Hey, thank you for, uh, for, for playing it and having me on and doing this whole thing. Okay, so why don't we get back to it? This next question is from Anon, and the question is, what is the strangest thing you've ever intentionally Googled? So, John? Uh, I actually I tend to save my best ones. So I did keep uh, famous people killed by disembodied heads. <laughs> <laughs> There's one. Uh, and a, a Viking king named Sigurd the Mighty, who was killed by the disembodied head of his enemy because he had chopped it off and he hung it on his side battle as a trophy and while he was on the long ride back home the decapitated head's teeth kept repeatedly grazing his thigh which caused an open wound and an infection that eventually killed the king i can't decide if that's like the coolest way to die or the stupidest way to die it feels like a metaphor but i can't tell you for what (laughs) Wow. I am just kind of amazed by that. <laughs> like, honestly, if you had said that someone had died from, like, a severed head, I just would have figured it had, like, fallen on them somehow. Right, dropped from height. Yeah, like, thrown at them with great force, like a dodgeball or something. I guess the point is that I did look for famous people, I think it was, or historical people, rather than just anybody. So perhaps there are just everyday Joes who have been murdered by severed heads. The idea of being murdered by a severed head kind of prevents you from being an average Joe. I mean, I think that you would get famous just from that. Yeah, fair point. All right, Gavin. This story involves alcohol use. A friend of mine and I were uh, trying beers one night. We would buy a bunch of pints and kind of split them amongst ourselves. And we had uh, a bottle of Bourbon County beer, which is a beer that's brewed in bourbon barrels, and it's very nice. And I was drunk by this point, and I wanted to write a review of it. And for some reason, I wrote it into the Google search bar because I thought that, wow, this beer tastes so much like this that someone else must have had this exact thought, so I will search Google for it. And so the Google search was, a blast of flavor that resolves into burnt dirt syrup. Wow. Sounds tasty. I, I grew to like it. So I guess burnt dirt syrup is an acquired taste. <laughs> it's uh, it's very rich and, and complex in its uh, profile. Just out of curiosity, are you a fan of yerba mate? <laughs> you know, I uh, tried a sip of it once and it wasn't eh, not exactly my thing. How about you, Quinn? Strangest thing you've ever intentionally Googled. Well, this is really embarrassing because everybody makes fun of me about it. But um, I think it was grilling porn. Which um, I have a very good reason for, which Matt knows. Um, so John Linnell, the accordion player from They Might Be Giants, I'm madly in love with, um, did an interview a couple of years ago about food. And they asked him if he was a good cook, and he said he was a terrible cook. But they said, oh, I can do a few things. And he said, being a guy, I'm a good griller. 
And as they might be Giants fans know, John Linnell is like the least manly person in the history of time, basically, which is why I like him. Also, I'm a vegetarian, that should be noted. But for some reason at the time, the idea of him being all strong and manly was very appealing to me. And now I have a legit grilling fetish. Um... (laughs) So I was trying to see if there was porn related to grilling. As I recall, I found one picture which looked like it was from the 70s. And it was a man and a woman grilling naked. And um, that that seems to be all the grilling porn on the internet, unfortunately. I have to say, that does not sound safe. Yeah, probably not. There were clothes involved in my grilling fantasies, I should note that. That's just common sense and safety. Right. I want to urge everyone out there to uh, be like Quinn and be sure to take safety into account in your uh, fantasies. <laughs> That's well, right. It's all fun and games until someone imaginary gets their junk cooked. I feel like right after this podcast airs, there's going to be a huge surge in Google searches for grilling porn. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I'm not the only one who has from this from, from one to even like four will be amazing. But well and it's funny because I, I think back to I enjoyed to barbecue things and I and I think back to me doing it kinda standing there holding a beer, fighting against the smoke that's coming off the grill and getting in my eyes and it's not me at my most attractive. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of yelling involved. This next question has already been asked on the Painful Threshold. Everyone out there who goes to the painfulthreshold.tumblr.com gets to vote on what they think was the best question from the previous week. And I am doing a fresh refresh on the page right now. So as of this very moment, this is the most popular question from episode one. And it's actually a little bit close because there's been a few that... We're one vote away, but this one eked out a win. Can you think of any great band names that are shitty bands, or vice versa, like great bands with terrible names? Any Anyone want to take this one first? I feel like Gavin, being a musician, probably knows of a few off the top of his head. I have a couple of, yeah, I have a couple of ideas. Well, for very obvious reasons, the first thing that, that comes to mind is Dance Gavin Dance. Great band name. Uh, you know, far and away probably one of my favorite band names but uh shitty 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 band they kind of were in that whole kind of like emo scene thing also there was a, a band at berkeley uh when i when i went to berkeley college of music i never uh, unfortunately never heard them but their name was power nap on satan's floor and i always i always like that but i can't confirm or deny that they were uh, a shitty band that's one of those band names that is kind of one where i don't know if it's like one of the best band names ever or one of the worst <laughs> Well, they were a death metal band, so I, okay. I think when you think about it in that context. That does make sense. That yeah. does make sense. I, I think I was kind of pi- picturing sort of your generic indie rock. <laughs> oh, no, that, that would be a terrible band name for an indie band. Uh, Quinn, do you got one? Yeah, well, I can think of a lot of terrible bands with terrible names, um, but I'm going to go with the great band Terrible Name, which people probably don't think anymore about what terrible name it is which is the Beatles because it's such a stupid pun when you think about it (laughs) and obviously they're great but that's a bad bad name so I'm glad that the legacy of the Beatles lets us overlook how stupid their name really is yeah they outgrew that name pretty quick yeah. Yeah. Uh, the fourth album, they're not. It's not really appropriate for them anymore. But there they are. <laughs> well, that's why I always. Uh, there was that great Simpsons episode uh, with, about the B sharps, which was uh, Homer's. Uh, the barbershop quartet. 
Yeah, the right. barbershop quartet. I, I always loved that scene where they pick the name, and Skinner's like, we need a name that at first seems like a funny pun, but gets less funny every time you hear it. <laughs> John, do you have one yet? I can think of a band that I, I absolutely love, or it's actually a, a performer and his musicians I, I adore, and the, the band name has always caused me problems. That's uh, Jason Molina's different musical projects were Songs Ohio, which first off always sounded to me like a marching band or a ska band. And I always think of Ohio. Exactly. It sounds like one of those Folkways albums of compilations of the best folk songs of Ohio. Yeah, exactly. that's kind of what I thought too. And then uh, when he changed the name of the band, he changed it to the Magnolia Electric Company, which isn't bad, but it's it's a little it feels a little like a funk band from the 70s. But the problem with it is... The last Songs Ohio album was called the Magnolia Electric Company, and then he changed the name of the band to the Magnolia Electric Company. So when you make reference to the Magnolia Electric Company, uh, I don't know what you're referring to off the top of my head. Anyway, I just tell everybody I really like Jason Molina. Okay, uh, next question, which is a a brand new one uh, from Anon again. Do you have any weird phobias? I I can think of two off the top of my head. These are legit. Uh, I cannot listen to music on the radio in the car because I am afraid that if I were in a terrible accident and died in the car, that something ironic or almost uh, narratively appropriate would be playing as the ambulance came to pick up my corpse. Hmm. Like, imagine if, if I was in a terrible car accident, I was pinned under the wheel, I was slowly dying, and Here Comes the Sun was on the radio. Oh! Oh! Exactly. You could just picture the camera slowly panning across the accident. And I, so I cannot listen to music on the radio. I have to, I, I carefully select my music. I still listen to CDs that I, I make so that there's nothing ironic. A, a good friend of mine actually got in a bad car accident listening to the end of a tour. The, I'm just going to ramp them up your joints as much as possible. But that's a, uh, yeah, a song about people dying in a car accident. Yep. So. That was also a bad choice. <laughs> yeah, there was a... Uh, I actually had to throw out a CD because it had a, a song by 1990s Swedish band Whale called I'm Cold, which is actually about being pinned under the wheel of a car. Oh, God. And I realized, oh, i got to get that one out of there just in case I get in a car crash and that happens to come on. And the other one is also car-related, my other phobia, mm-hmm. which is when you're, when you're driving down the street and you're behind a car that takes a right turn really sharp to go down a side street, like no light, no warning, and they, they take it maybe at 30, 35 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. I'm always afraid that that driver had a psychic premonition of imminent danger and that they were saving themselves. And now that since I was the one, since I'm right behind them, I'm the guy who's going to get hit by, say, the piano falling off a building or whatever it was they were trying to avoid. Well, I think if it's any consolation for you, John, you know, the Final Destination films have shown us that that person's going to get it either way. Either way, sure. But, I mean, there could be collateral damage, uh, especially in, uh, you know, we've, we've learned in Washington that our bridges don't always stay up. <laughs> yes. So, uh, and there, I drive over a lot of bridges, and I'm always thinking, if that guy turned off just before the bridge, maybe that's, uh, that's something I should pay attention to. Both of those actually kind of make sense. Like, you've actually kind of sold me on them, especially the the ironic soundtrack one. Yeah. <laughs> Phobias are contagious. Yeah, I, I'm like kind of thinking that maybe that one's not so weird. Gavin? I'm afraid to hold babies. Oh, that you'll like drop them or yeah. somehow irreparably fuck them up? Uh, drop them primarily. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's because what, what would be more embarrassing than that? You know, you're... <laughs> 
holding someone's baby and, and right in front of them, you, you know, yeah, drop it. It's just awful, awful, awful. Is your uh, phobia about dropping the baby or about mortal embarrassment? Yeah. <laughs> uh, little column A, little column B. Yeah, I like that that's the way you describe it, just being embarrassed. Like, God damn it, I dropped their baby. I look like an idiot. <laughs> Boy, is my face red. Yeah, that dent will just buff right out. But, you know, geez, I can't believe it. <laughs> and the other one is uh, th- there was a, a movie made in the 60s called Targets. It was uh, one of Boris Karloff's last films. And in that movie, there's a younger character who's kind of this insane sniper who in, in one scene cuts a hole in a, uh, a movie screen at a drive-in theater just big enough for him to fit his gun through and begin sniping people at a drive-in theater. Uh, I was about 10, 8 or 10 when I saw this, this film. And uh, so for the next couple of years, and even every now and again now, I always get the, the strangest feeling that, you know, I'll just be sitting in a movie theater and I'll just get shot in the head. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and uh, I, uh, it, it hasn't really bled over into kind of like any fear of an ironic film, just, you know, any <laughs> film like Tron Legacy. I don't know. If, I don't know why that's the first film I think of when I think of movies I've seen in a theater. But, uh, oh, Lord, Tron that Legacy. ties back into that thing where if your brain is still awake after you die, you'd have to watch the rest of Tron Legacy. <laughs> oh, that would be a horrible last memory. <laughs> with, with every single I oh hey I meant to tell you this flooding back into my head at the same time. <laughs> but at least you get to turn into pure energy at the end. True. True. And then if I get bored of it, I'll just come back as uh, you know, anything I like. And hopefully you'll keep the memory so you won't go and make the mistake of seeing Tron Legacy again. <laughs> yeah. Or without a paddle. I, I did uh, see that in theaters. Wow. <laughs> Quinn? Well, I can think of two, and the first one isn't weird because they're seriously the scariest fucking thing, which is really creepy dolls. Um, especially talking ones. That's the one Twilight Zone episode I will not go anywhere near. I love the Twilight Zone, and there are some other really, really scary Twilight Zone episodes, but you know the one. I will. I refuse to go anywhere near that one. And then the other one, I guess, is kind of weird, which is based on a um, Choose Your Own Adventure book I read when I was, like, seven. It was where you go on a class field trip to a Statue of Liberty, and the idea is that you're um, staring at a picture of immigrants coming into Ellis Island around the turn of the last century. And then suddenly you jump into a picture, basically, and you're coming into Ellis Island. But as any good child of the 80s knows, um, there are like 50 million ways to die horribly in Choose Your <laughs> Adventure books. And so one of the ones very early on, before you even get to the Ellis Island picture, is that you're um, running up the stairs to the torch Statue of Liberty, and you um, slip on the stairs, crack your head open, and die. And I remember it specifically mentions that there are those kind of metal stairs with uh, no backs to them. And so now whenever I walk on those stairs, I get really nervous. It's not a phobia to a point that I can't walk on those stairs, but I just walk really slowly and carefully and <laughs> worry that I'm going to crack my head over and die. So, Scarred for Life by Choose Your Adventure, but they're still really fun books. And in the book that's happened on the way in the torch, right? Yeah, as I recall, I don't, I've never been in the Statue of Liberty. I don't even know if there's any kind of stairs they have. I have no idea how accurate it is. Actually, the thing is, is I actually know the answer to that. And it that from what I know, that that is actually true because 
There's a story about how uh, Bill Gaines, the publisher of Mad Magazine, loved the Statue of Liberty, just like everything about it. And he just like kind of had this thing for it. Like, uh, and one of the things is that in the 80s when it was closed... Like one of his friends, I think it was Dick D. Bartolo, the one of the the uh, writers for Mad. I think he like had a friend who worked at the statue, and was able to sneak in Bill Gaines to see it. And they went inside and went up, and they were like, "Okay, the the torch is a little bit dangerous, but you can go inside it. Just be very careful." And the thing is, is that for for those of you who don't know your uh, comics history, Bill Gaines was a larger man. And he actually got stuck in the torch. <laughs> it's such an embarrassing thing to happen. He was sort of freaked out, obviously, because, you know, A, he stuck in the torch, but it was sort of like he wasn't supposed to be there and no one knew that they were there. So he was like, oh, my God, am I going to die stuck in the the, the torch? And might I add, ironically enough, uh, on his Walkman at the time was a version of Stuck in the Middle with You. <laughs> okay, we, we've got uh, one more question here for y'all here on The Painful Threshold, again by Anon, and they want to know, what sound does growing make? Do, do you want an impression? An impression might be the only way to get the sound across. Yeah. There's so many different kinds of growing, too. I, uh, I, live, uh, I live kind of out in the woods, so we have, uh, this is where a lot of the teenagers go to smoke weed, drink, and make out. So I would say uh, the sound of, of growing into an adult appears to be um, uh, yelling F-bombs at each other in the middle of the forest. <laughs> That's all I got, yeah. <laughs> Gavin? Uh, I'm uh, going to go with uh, the, the sound of growing is various angsty yellings of the word mom. You know, when you're, <laughs> you're a little kid, mom won't let you, you know, stay up late to... To watch the cartoons on the TV, and then you know when when uh, you're a little older, mom won't let you go to the mall with your friends, or and then you know uh, when you're older than that, uh, you know mom won't uh, I don't know do other things. So I'm gonna go with uh, exasperated yellings of the word mom. Makes sense, Quinn. Well, I had to think about this, and then it struck me as being very obvious. It's the um, sound when you go from being little Mario to big Mario in the original <laughs> Super Mario Brothers on NES. You hit the coin and get the little mushroom, and then it's like, do-do-do-do-do-do. Um, uh, that's obviously what it is for all of us. <laughs> it's just like like spread out over, you know, the, what is it? You're finally an adult when you hit, like, what, 25 biologically? Is that, That's like when everything kind of settles down, I think. It's the do 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 Kind of sounds like spread out over twenty five years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that explains why that uh, that high pitched humming stopped on my last birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just the tinnitus. <laughs> I think that all of those are pretty much accurate answers. <laughs> As I said, that was our last question. So we are going to load up the uh, special. Painful Threshold scoring algorithms, which are arcane and vast. And we find out that at 68 points, Gavin is our winner. Yay! Oh, thank you, thank you. And it looks like your prize is tell your favorite joke. The first one that came to mind, I heard Steve Albini say this in an interview. Uh, Steve Albini is a, a famous producer who, who worked with Nirvana and Pixies and you know, kind of people of that ilk. But, uh, all right, so a guy walks into a bar and sits down next to another guy, and they're just kind of talking, and, you know, the guy walks in, turns to the other guy and says, hey, do you know that I'm a, 
I'm a beekeeper. And the guy goes, what? And he goes, yeah, I've got like over, uh, you know, over 1,500 bees. The guy goes, oh, wow, that's amazing. And they go, yeah, fuck bees. And that's the joke. That's, that's the whole <laughs> joke. I, I, I do not understand it. Is he talking about literally like bee fucking? Because that sounds ill-advised, like, <laughs> much like grilling naked. Like, that sounds like you need to protect certain parts of yourself from bee stings. I see them as two parts of the same evening. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned bee fucking because there's this, like, there's this one Dan Klaus, like, one-page strip from, like, the early days of 8-Ball that always worms itself into my brain at the most inopportune times, and... Honestly, it's kind of a one-joke strip, so all you really need to know is the name of the strip. And the, the name of the strip is Needle Dick the Bug Fucker. <laughs> I do have a joke that was created by Bent Knee. Okay, okay, what's that one? Okay, uh, what is an owl's favorite movie? I'll bite what? An Inconvenient Hoot, a film <laughs> by Owl Gore. <laughs> I, I like that one okay well that about does it for the painful threshold i i just want to thank our lovely guests we've got uh calamity john morris uh gavin wallace Ellsworth, and quinn collard and just say real quick where you can be found online and like i said the full list of links will be in the show notes john where can we uh find you real quick yeah you can find me on twitter at calamity john or at my website calamity john uh gavin you can find me at bentneymusic.com uh on twitter bentney music and facebook bentney music just bentney music into any major social media thingy quinn i'm at museumofidiots.com i've got three different zines and tons of they might be giant stuff check it totally out that's it and from all of us here at the painful threshold we uh, thank you for listening next week's guests will not be peter cooper wallace wood and Werner herzog this has been a production of kitty sneezes amalgamated media works and adult flippery thank you and good night KittySneezes.com In color. <laughs> <laughs>